This hour of broadcasting brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, the Motorola value-added reseller. Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. Brought to you by Vigilant Impact. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first and have engaged servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, Dr. James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, churchsafetyguys.com, and on the original Church Security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry. Well, hello and welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am James, and once again, joined by my co-host, Mike. Hey, James. How are you, sir? I am good. How are you doing? Hey, the first uh, Sunday in three weeks that I haven't been sick, so I'm glad. I'm uh, in good shape. That's a good thing. Yep, exactly. <laughs> that is a good thing. Yeah, it's kind of nice. the The question is, how is the rest of your family? Because <laughs> I in know all of you guys were sick. <laughs> yeah, it 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 wiped us out. I mean, it took out the whole family, and uh, multiple times over the course of about thirteen days. So it uh, all five of us had it in one shape or, or or form throughout that. So it's it's good to be on the other side and feeling like, hey. We can actually go into the week and and have some energy this time. For sure, the only one not sick was the dog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which you haven't uh, you haven't had him too long, but I'm sure he was he was a comfort for the. Well, at least for the kids, anyway. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> for us, it was just more work. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, uh, fun, fun things for sure. I, um, actually I had the opportunity, um, so far we've been, I think we've been pretty healthy. We haven't had any, any major issues lately as of late. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I have the opportunity very busy for sure. I mean, we've, we've been, um, really going, going crazy with, uh, trying to work on some projects uh, for for our ministry, and certainly um, trying to update the website. You know, trying to do assessments. We're we're running around, so uh, we're staying for sure, staying pretty busy. But um, I had the opportunity, which doesn't happen too often, uh, to actually uh, hang out with uh, Glenn Evans. Um, Glenn is uh, actually helping us out with training and doing some training with us now. And um, so he uh, was actually, I believe, in central Ohio 
uh, out towards Dayton somewhere. He was doing some training uh, with a church and doing active shooter training. And so he invited me to come out Saturday. So I spent uh, about half the day with him on Saturday, him and his son. And it was a great a uh, great opportunity, great uh, time for us to to chat a little bit and and uh, spend some time together. So uh, it was a lot of a lot of fun, and and we're actually we're in the middle right now of of trying to put together a, a list of uh, training classes uh, that he can uh, offer with us and um, go through that. So. Uh, if you are interested in uh, doing active shooter training specifically, uh, you're welcome to reach out to us through our website, uh, which is churchsafetyguys.com. That's still up, uh, even though we're going to be doing some work on it here. And uh, just contact us. Uh, you can go to the Contact Us page and send that request in. And then I can um, usually, I think usually I see those and then that can go to um get forwarded to Glenn and he can reach out and connect with you about uh, the details of training and, and what he offers and, and what your church needs. Cause a lot of times what Glenn and I were talking about this Saturday, a lot of times people think, Oh, I need this, this kind of training. And then when you actually, when we sit down and talk, talk to them or um, even a trainer, it, it's kind of like you realize that you really needed a different, different style, different format of training for your team than what, uh, than what you thought. So we're happy to help you, uh, kind of navigate that. Um, and as always, uh, as far as resources, I'd like to, to shout out for the, the church security app. Uh, you can download that on iOS and, uh, Android stores. Now, uh, Android, uh, has been having some issues, uh, lately. And so some of the new, we, and we, Mike and I noticed this at the conference, actually, some of the newer, uh, Android phones, Samsung, LG, um, you have to actually download a patch, uh, to get the app to work. And if you Google that, uh, we'll try and I'll try and research that this week. Cause I can't remember what patch it is. Um, uh, but there's something that, uh, that, uh, Samsung actually has on their on the Android site where you can download that and then download our app and it connects to the older apps. Uh, but again, that is something that um, that we're working on next with the website to update as well. So um, there's there's definitely a lot going on. So hang in there. Um, but as always. Uh, the app is free. It's free to download, free to register, thanks to our sponsors. And uh, there's a lot of great information. If you can download it, uh, there's a lot of great information on there. But if for some reason you're having issues with it, feel free to reach out to us through the regular website and we'll we'll do whatever we can to, to get uh, information to you accordingly. So, so on this broadcast uh, for... Uh, for this Sunday evening uh, is when it's it's being recorded live. Um, we, uh, I reached out actually, I think it was a few months ago. I reached out to the uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, uh, and uh, they were gracious enough uh, to send uh, an individual our way to chat with us. And 
uh, we really wanted to talk. Um, they've, they've got some phenomenal resources, and we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, on this broadcast for churches uh, with their website, which is missingkids.org. Um, but uh, I want to bring in, let's see, I will bring in uh, Susan Kennedy is our guest uh, on this broadcast from uh, the National Center. So thank you again, Susan, for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Sure, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So we'll jump into it. And we were we were kind of joking around uh, earlier because there's so many, <laughs> so many resources on the website. Sometimes it's it's crazy how many um, how many different avenues of information and whatnot. So uh, we were going to try and go through just a few of the things today. But um, tell us your for starting off. Tell us your story. How did you get involved with them? And um, what for, for maybe the individual listening that doesn't know what the National Center does, what, what does your organization do? Sure. Um, so I have been working in child protection for about 15 years. Uh, largely, I've been working um, really connected to investigations of child sexual abuse. So I did that at the local level. Um, I'm from Virginia. That's where I live. Um, and about five years ago, there's an opportunity for me to join the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and really focus on prevention, which is what I really wanted to do. So um, I most of my time here at the National Center has been really focused on prevention. Um, if you And we'll talk about the range of issues that the National Center deals with, but we're talking about kids who have gone missing, many of whom have run away from home. And then on the exploited side, we're talking about kids who've been sexually abused and there's been some kind of technology involved in that. And we can dive into that. Um, just a range of issues. So thinking through how, um, you know, we can provide prevention resources directly to kids, to professionals, from teachers to after school, to places of worship, um, and what those materials should should look like so that they'll be easy to understand and also the, so that they will relate to really what the National Center is seeing on a daily basis as an organization that responds to missing exploited children. So the National Center is a nonprofit. Um, we're based um, in Virginia, where I live, outside of the Washington, D.C. area. Um, and we have three parts of our mission. One is to find missing children. The second is to reduce child sexual exploitation. And the third is to prevent victimization. So as I talked about, that's really core to the mission of the center is that as we provide various services that help um, law enforcement and others respond to cases, we're also taking what we're learning and infusing that into easy to use, um, even if they can be hard to find on our website, uh, but easy to use resources um, really around prevention. So we really see ourselves as a resource center for families, for um, tech companies we work very closely with, for law enforcement, and just members of the public and anyone who's working with kids. Um, we really see ourselves as, as a clearinghouse and a resource center. Awesome. So one of the things, one of the things that I mentioned uh, actually before, um, before we jumped into the the broadcast and went live, um, a few years ago, I was kind of looking for resources from a standpoint of um, trying to help my church and trying to uh, just set things up so we had a process to check kids in and check kids out and how to handle it if maybe a child came up missing or um, that sort of thing. And one of the uh, the things that um, that I did was I, I went on a, <laughs> I went on a scavenger hunt to try and find information and, and actually stumbled across your website, which was great. Um, being my background was in retail and logistics. Um, it caught my attention really quick that you guys are 
the overseers of the code Adam, um, code Adam policy and procedure. And so my church right away adapted that and said, okay, let's make this easy. You know, if, if the, um, if people are that familiar with it from a retail standpoint, then bringing it into the church is easier to train people on what to look for and how to respond and, and that sort of thing. But that is, that is something that you guys still take care of and encourage, correct? Yes. Yeah. And I, I can talk for just a minute in case people aren't familiar. Code Adam is actually named for Adam Walsh, who mm-hmm. um, was unfortunately um, abducted and murdered when he was six years old. And his parents, John and Rave Walsh, were um, the founders of the National Center. So it is a program that we um, continue in, in his name. Sure. Um, and as you said, it starts started in retail because Adam was abducted from a shopping mall. While he was out with his family. So um, really around um you know, helping retail employees and management be ready if something, if they have an emergency situation like that, how, you know, what's the first thing you do, the second thing you do, how to respond so that, you know, you, and I'm sure you talk about this all the time is, you know, being prepared for the unexpected is, um, you know, the, the best preparation is when something happens, you want to kind of um, not be scrambling for what to do, but you want to have that, that ready um, to go. And so we do provide those kits for free. There's training videos, there is literature, um, and you can always, you know, call and talk to someone on the outreach team, for example, if you, you can't find that right resource or if you have questions about what was in the kit or you need additional resources, we are happy to help um, anyone who calls um, with that kind of thing as well. But yes, Code Adam is still, you just go right on our website and there's a boxes to put in your information and we'll mail you out everything you need to implement that. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, one of my hobbies, I guess, is uh, and and Mike, I'm sure will probably laugh at me for the for saying this or admitting to this, but one of my hobbies is actually reading about uh, true crime stories and researching true crime and that sort of thing. And so, um, I was really kind of shocked to find out that um, years and years and years ago, uh, my family actually lived um, in New Jersey. And at one point in time, they decided to move uh, to New England because uh, my parents just didn't really like the the atmosphere. Like they felt like it was getting too big city and they wanted to move and and uh, move to more rural, safer environment, neighborhood, that sort of thing. And so going I, I don't remember too much of that other than moving, you know, because I was really little. But going backwards and researching a lot of my time um, and a lot of my family's time when I was really little, I was probably, I think two or three at the time was spent at the same mall that Adam, that his son was abducted from. And so when I saw that, I was like, Oh my goodness, you know, that just kind of hit home for me that, you know, this is really, really serious and this is important and it can happen anywhere. And certainly, you know, my parents were, were part of that, um, being, you know, local to that community that Mm -hmm. kind of drove them to say, you know, this is, this is something to be concerned about and more aware of. So, but, uh, but anyhow, um, so let's, let's look at, um, what are some of the, what are some of the key areas that you guys see, um, that might apply to, to, uh, church churches and places of worship directly. You you mentioned um, some online mm-hmm. type um, situations. That would probably be for more. Well, at one point I would say that would probably be for more older kids. But now, um, considering that 
you know, my 12 year old is like beating me up for, for my iPad continuously. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But what, what are some things that you guys are seeing with that at the moment? Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point about the internet safety. I think we did, we do often think of that as being something you, you know, start to worry about maybe as your kids are teenagers. But, you know, as you said, young kids younger and younger are getting devices and have access to that tablet. But also, I think a lot of parents don't think about gaming apps as being mm-hmm. an online platform, and many of them are now. So many of them allow that connectivity um, for people to talk to one another. Um, you know, common examples like Roblox and Minecraft, and there are others um, that yep. even young kids use. So if parents aren't aware, um, of which games allow chatting um, mm-hmm. or just interactions with people in general. So all, you know, kids younger than you think are online. Um, and even, you know, young kids, you know, a, a lot of kids have email addresses now, you know, um, even mm-hmm. even schools that maybe wouldn't introduce that until older, many of them have them now because of the COVID-19 pandemic and you needed a way for teachers to correspond. So, um, you know, young elementary school students um, often have email that they're checking now at school. And so there's that possibility. I think for churches, I mean, you know, first of all, to be concerned, you know, if you've got kids who are using devices, maybe in free time while they're, you know, waiting for one activity to start or something like that, you certainly could have communication between, um, you know, and an adult and a child. And we have to remember um, two children, two juveniles could even communicate with one another in a way that is um, mm-hmm. harassing or exploitative. So that's something to think about. Um, but also, obviously, we want people to connect with one another. That's one reason we build community at church, right? So um, making sure you're thoughtful about, you know, does your church have policies about how adults communicate with kids online? You know, if they send emails or text messages to say this activity is rained out or we're going to meet here instead of, of, you know, this part of the church or whatever. Do you have policies? Are you being thoughtful about requiring maybe adults to have, you know, the parent of the child on that message, too, so that you're not establishing um, the possibility for an adult to communicate privately with the child online? Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, I think the most important way to think about technology um, is that the reason it allows for kids to be exploited is it allows direct access. So before the internet, if you wanted to build a private, unhealthy relationship with a child, you'd have to physically find privacy to do sure. that, which is easy to supervise in the physical space. I mean, it's not, it, it can be, it can be easier to supervise than, you know, not knowing who they're talking to on the phone. So I think that's right. having those policies and thinking through um, that online communication is really important. I I think I'll I'll go back to something that that you said and then I'll I'll throw it over to Mike but um you mentioned the accountability aspect of um like a church leader texting someone and having another adult on that text to kind of see the dialogue and honestly that's something that I've never even thought of, but that's an amazing idea. And, and the reason I would say that is, is just because I've seen situations where it gets crazy, not even intentional, but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, dialogue discussion stuff is misunderstood via text. Mm -hmm. And that's very easy because you can't, you can't see the person, you can't hear the tone. So um, having that and, and one of the things that actually that, uh, that my church does is they'll send out a mass message to communicate uh-huh. via, uh, we use planning center software. Um, but basically that records it and records the message that's going out, uh-huh. you know, as a bulk text. 
Um, but it also goes out to several key people within the church so they can see and monitor, you know, the mm-hmm. response and, and that communication as well. But that's a, that's a fantastic idea. And oftentimes, unfortunately, we, we have seen um, an increase from places of worship. We have seen an increase of, um, you know, kids being exploited via leaders and workers, um, whether, you know, uh, whether they've been background checked or not. Um, sure. So certainly you want um, want to have um, want to have the background check process there uh, for liability sake. But um, Mike, did you have anything you wanted to? Yeah, I, I pick up on the the part with the the we all have heard the horror stories with the the internet and the connectivity and the games is certainly the the scary thing happening now. I mean, I, I my oldest is nine, my youngest is only two, but at the same point, I sit there and say, just their access to YouTube. It's not necessarily just what's on YouTube; it's what's mm-hmm. in the ads between the YouTube videos, yeah. and sometimes for sure it, they end up down a rabbit hole. And you, you're like, okay, well, I thought I put them on this video and they were going to be fine right there. No, before you know it, they're six degrees from Sunday in a different spot. But what I would add is something sometime that is not always talked about would be understanding um, what devices are accessible in your church. So there's a lot of classrooms or different areas that may rely on playing a YouTube video or playing uh, worship uh, because they don't necessarily have a live worship artist coming into that space. Well, they may be piping that in in some way. So those devices are online. So what are the policies? What are the procedures around making sure that those devices remain in control so that Mm -hmm. you're not a either having a student that gains access to it or worse, you have somebody who's in a position of authority misusing that internet connection on a device that's buried in a classroom with a child. And so there's there's a need to look at that. And I think as a safety and security, we don't always think about our job being uh, looking at the devices. A lot of times that's a facility or an uh, IT-related focus, but it really should be a, a focus of the safety and security space as well. For sure. What, um, Susan, what do you think some of the things let's talk about like leaders and screening and that sort of thing, uh, for just a a minute, (laughs) what, Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the things that, um, that you guys have seen, or maybe your recommendations on, um, maybe screening or just being things to be aware of if, if maybe, maybe you've picked a leader, you've gone through that process, you have a leader and you start seeing something that, you get a red flag. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, this doesn't look right, but you don't really know like why it doesn't look right. Can, yeah. Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would say is, um, you know, screening, like you guys have already um, alluded to screening is a must do, but it is not by any means the end all be all. And what we know from the data in the field is that unfortunately um, a lot of offenders who harm children either have not harmed them before to be um, showing up on a background check or they, they weren't caught or they weren't adjudicated. So I worked, like I said, I worked for about 10 years in child sexual abuse investigations. Very few of those cases are able to be prosecuted. Um, so it is really important to screen out people who are on the sex offender registry or, or obviously who have a criminal history of offending children, but we offending against children, but we should never believe that because we do that, everyone who works for us 
will never offend against a child. Um, it, that's just not the way it works. And so what you have to do is lay, have layers of protection. Um, sure. with, this, with the screening process, I think background checks are important. Reference checks, reference interviews are really important. Asking candidates, having behavioral, um, you know, behavioral interviews where you're asking people about, you know, why they want to volunteer, critical thinking skills, um, and just having, you know, lengthy interviews, not just knowing someone through, you know, drops off an application form, run a background check, and they're fine. You really need to meet them. You need to talk to the references stuff and things like that. And then training is so important for everyone who works with kids, and it needs to happen often. Um, and just what you said, James, I think that um, having people prepared for, okay, if our policy is, you know, you, you have a rule of three, there's always gonna be three people in the room, or you have two adult leaders, or whatever your your child protection policy is, and you should have a policy that's shared with everyone who volunteers, everyone on staff, um, all of the, um, the congregation, really. Um, and let's say you see someone repeatedly breaking that rule, like one child, one adult, and they're shutting the door, and it makes you uncomfortable. Um, and you've opened the door and reminded them and they're still doing it. What do you do? Everyone who works at your church should know the answer to that question. Everyone sure. who works there should know, this is what I expect. If James sees me, you know, taking a kid for, you know, mm -hmm. who's having a hard time to a quiet place in the church where no one can see, I'm going to expect that someone's going to come and interrupt that and remind me that no one else can see that interaction. Um, mm -hmm. And you're also going to expect me to intervene if I see something um that you're doing. And it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. So ongoing training is important, but there are organizations, first of all, insurance boards, insurance companies often um, offer training, not just on child sexual abuse prevention, but mm -hmm. those boundary violations that you're talking about. Um, and there's some national organizations as well that we worked about that had in-depth training. But it's a really, it's a really hard thing to do. And it's how kids are vulnerable in organizations because offenders are counting on the fact that people are going to be too uncomfortable to say anything. And so mm -hmm. that's really the job of, um, you know, these, these safety committees to really institute training and make sure everyone's going through it. And I think too, that's a key part of prevention um, because if someone is coming to your church and they're thinking, I'm going to volunteer here and this will be an easy way for me to groom a child and, and commit offense. And then they see the training they're going through mm -hmm. and they see how people are responding, that they seem to know this stuff and they notice maybe they do a little testing. Someone calls it out. They're going to go to a different organization. They're not yeah. going to stick around because now it's too difficult in your church to do what they're aiming to do. So they'll leave. And sure. so that's where that, that really gets preventative as well. Yeah. It's, it's very challenging because <clears throat> from the, excuse me, from even from, and, and for those of you that, that are listening or maybe here, here at a later time from a safety and security aspect, um, that's just as important. So in, in, having people respond to situations with children. Um, one of the things that, that we always instituted was regardless if you're responding to an incident where a child's hurt or something's happened, um, you need to have at least two people from the safety team respond so that you have that accountability, but also an extra set of eyes, a witness to what happened and that sort of thing. And so if you're, if you're thinking maybe there's, there should be, you know, if you're listening and <laughs> you think maybe it should be different because you're a children's worker versus, um, safety ministry, that's, that's just not the case. Um, anytime you respond to a situation, you should have an extra person there. Or if you're working with kids, you should have an extra person there. It's, it's yep. just a good habit to get into. Um, but ultimately, um, having the, having the accountability and, and we've actually, to your point, Susan, we've actually seen that happen where we had an individual that came to our church, started, um, 
you know, trying to volunteer and we were like, wait a second, you know, we need to do a background check. We need to sit down. We need to chat with you. Uh, we interview our folks like you mentioned. And so, um, some things came back that, that weren't great. Um, on, you know, with, with all of that. And, uh, we <clears throat> basically, we put it, put it together and we said, you know what, this, this ministry in the, in the church probably isn't the best thing for you to be working in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it didn't necessarily mean with their situation, it didn't necessarily mean that, you know, we asked them to leave the church. We didn't, we just said, mm -hmm. you know, moving forward, here's another area that we could use some help. Maybe mm -hmm. you'd like to serve in that area, but right now we would just be more comfortable, you know, with you not Mm -hmm. not serving with the kids. So different things like that is, are certainly helpful. Yeah. It's something I see a lot uh, too. I, uh, my son is in uh, trail life. So we have a organization that of course we're very focused on a too deep leadership structure with that as well, where it's, it's uh, continually a chance to make sure that, Hey, whether it's, if, if you're not heading off to the restroom with your own, a uh, uh, parent or guardian, then it's too deep in all cases. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's always checked. Um, we're we're tasked with kind of checking the stalls and checking the bathroom before we even let the child into the restroom. And even still, then it's 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 two sets of eyes that are still accessible at any given point. So it's a continual pattern. Um, is it the most convenient? No, but uh, to your point, Susan, is it? It's we're we're not allowing the opportunity for something to. Uh, drive a truck through. Basically, we're we're creating as safe of a situation as we possibly can. Cool. All right. So, what uh, what are some other things that um, uh, Susan? What are some other trends and other things that that you guys see uh, from a a place of worship perspective that maybe we should we should be aware of or be asking about. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, we were talking a little bit before the recording started about, um, you know, abductions. And I, I do think, mm -hmm. you know, like we, we talked about Code Adam, I think, you know, having having a protocol in place, just general common sense about having kids within sight and sound and, and that kind of thing. Um, but one thing we know at the National Center is that of the cases of missing kids who are reported to us, um, we do get some reports of what we call non-family abductions. So that's when a stranger abducts a child. We, we do see that. We had reports of that this past year in 2022. But we had, you know, we had about 100 reports of that. We had over a thousand reports of what we call family abduction. So that's a case where someone um, known to the child, someone in their family, um, but who is not custodial. So someone who's not supposed to be um, caring for the child for, and it could be for a variety of reasons, um, but uh, but they abduct them. So, so usually that has to do with, um, you know, parents had custody removed or something like that. So, you know, one thing I can see how this intersects with churches is that, um, is making sure that you know who's supposed to pick up a child and who's not, because that could be an opportunity for someone. Um, say you've got a grandparent who's now assumed responsibility for a child legally has legal guardianship. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe the parent might know, hey, school's not going to let this fly because school has the record, school knows the story, but maybe church doesn't know yet that I don't have custody anymore. Or, mm-hmm. you know, or they could just come in in town like I'm, I'm the father of the child and the child will run to the parent if they know them, but maybe that parent's not supposed to have custody. So that can be really hard, I think, um, you know, for churches to kind of manage because there are a lot of variables and, and you can't, you know, you don't necessarily know the, the whole background of everyone in your church and you want to be welcoming to new members. So, you know, thinking through kind of the simplest way um, you know, we talked, we were talking, I think before we started here about, you know, forms where you have people fill it out and maybe you give them a ticket to pick up that child or, or it's just something mm-hmm. as simple as, hey, the person or people who drop this child off are the only people who can sign them out, um, you know, and mm-hmm. but thinking that through so that, again, church isn't kind of an easy place where someone could come, um, you know, to, to get um, to get a child they're not supposed to be caring for would be another thing to um, keep an eye out for, I think, in churches. And enforcing that as well. I mean, just because you have the stickers in place and and then they somebody says, well, I I lost my half of the ticket. Uh Well, you need to have some teeth behind it and not just make exceptions because (laughs) then other what's the point of the process? So if there's a if there's a, a added burden. Okay, I'm sorry you lost your ticket. I'm sorry it's going to take us an extra few minutes for us to then verify that you are, in fact, supposed to be picking up these children because we're going to make that extra effort to make sure that the kids are remaining safe. So I'm sorry you have to wait at the end of the line while we dismiss everybody else, and then we'll assign somebody to come over and and work with you. But it's you find that people try to test the system even that way mm-hmm. where they're, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to just pretend I lost my ticket. Well, I'm sorry. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. That's a great point. And two, to go back to, you know, screening, screening volunteers, another really important piece is supervision. So we're all going to train and then, yeah, having people check, you know, kind of stand, you know, even maybe you're the, you're the tester with your own kid, but, or, you know, standing and saying, you know, Hey, this childcare provider who we're paying or this volunteer, like, you know, we need to talk about this checkout process and make sure that we're all, you know, following, following the right thing. And you're right. And it could definitely make, you know, annoy people. Um, but framing it the way you did around, you know, we're trying to keep your kid and all these kids safe. You know, this is why we have these practices. I think with all of this, an important thing for churches to keep in mind too, is, um, you know, unfortunately kids are across all types of victimization. They're most likely to be victimized by someone they know and trust. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and those, a lot of people who offend against children are very good at being very nice people. They, um, you know, win over, we even talk about them grooming their victim, but also grooming the people around them. So, you know, just because someone, you know, is there every week seems so nice. um, The point of policies is they apply to literally everyone. Um, You know, so that's why I was using an example of like, if I have a kid and I'm taking, you know, I take them in a corner of the room where no one can see, it's really important, even if you completely trust me with your child, that we have the same policies, you know, A, that helps because you will never spot someone who will um, offend against children. You cannot spot them. Um, they, they, and they go to great lengths again to be the most trustworthy person. Um, but B, then when you have that person, like you were talking earlier about who kind of does ring, ring those red flags, it's so much less awkward to call them out if it's for everybody. Um, you know, if you have someone who's starting to concern you, if you enforce the rules for everyone, it makes it easier for us to call each other out and enforce those boundaries if it's not just for the person who makes me uncomfortable. This is just for everyone. And so it helps church be a safer place if, if those policies are consistent. For sure. I, you know, it's interesting because we've had, and, and, and I mentioned, I know I've mentioned to Mike before, but I, I mentioned before, uh, we went, um, before we went live that, 
you know, we had that situation where a, uh, a grandparent showed up and it was, it was basically a situation that we didn't realize where the, the grandparent was trying to get custody of the child from the mom, a single mom. And so, um, they weren't supposed to have any, any interaction, but again, there wasn't a restraining order in place. And it was one of those things where no one communicated to the church and said, you know, here's, here's what's going on. And so, um, the grandparents showed up, they tried to get access. I mean, thankfully we had, um, several different, uh, filters and we were able to stop, stop the grandparent. And then we ended up trespassing, uh, from the property that, you know, we, we called the police, they came and trespassed, um, the grandparent. But the, the thing that's interesting to me is, and I, and I just want to throw out there for the, the churches to clarify, um, if you have a situation where there's a restraining order or there's something, um, that should be a red flag and that should be encouraging you to sit down and have a conversation with that individual that has the child, um, even if they're a new member and say, can you explain? And, and it's not being nosy. It's trying to help them so yeah. they have, you know, a worship free uh you know, situation or, or they can come in, drop the kids off. The kids can be safe. They can go enjoy, you know, the, the sermon or whatever the service and not have to, to have any distractions from that. But truly the, the reality is you need to know about any, any situations like that. So if you haven't, um, you know, maybe it's a new family and, and they came in and, and the mom made a comment or something like that, or the dad made a comment, uh, it's certainly worth pulling them aside and saying, Hey, I, I noticed you said this is that, does that mean there's a situation where, you know, you're separated? Could you just kind of explain that to me for the sake of the kids so we can make sure that everyone's safe and protected. And so, um, oftentimes I've had family as things come up over the years, different individuals will come to me and say, well, this person's not allowed because, we're working on a restraining order and that's fantastic information because if that person were to try to do something, at least we're prepared at that point um, for the situations that we potentially know versus hearing about it afterwards because, you know, we had a situation where husband and wife had been to the church for years and then they separated and the husband started getting abusive. The wife was like, I'm working on a restraining order the, the children's workers wouldn't like we adjusted the system very quickly to, to remove him for having access to the kids, but the children's workers and the volunteers wouldn't necessarily have looked in the system because they would have seen him and said, mm -hmm. Oh, he was here, you know, a month ago. That's fine. We can let the kids go. So having the, those checks and balances just to reemphasize and to know the situation and know what's going on and what's happening um, and try, try to get that information ahead of time is, is invaluable um, to pre prevent stuff like that from happening. So um, Mike, you wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to, I, I wanted to take us in a slightly different direction because I, I know we've, we've talked a lot about the, the potential abduction or keeping the kids safe from a check-in standpoint and, and the right parent. 
um, wanted to kind of go over a bit into kind of those that wander away, um, a church that may not keep a good enough eye on a door, and specifically um, a topic that we haven't spent a lot of time on on this show is those that may have uh, been diagnosed with uh, autism or other sorts of uh, challenges to their their sensory processing, et cetera, that may create an environment where they're more likely to run away, to try to get away from the rock concert that might be going on in the in the sanctuary or whatever it might be, to just being overwhelmed because somebody took their, their favorite toy. So there's a lot of things that can happen, and I know there's a lot of spaces in uh, churches that can be kind of a spot where somebody that, that may be um, uh, uh, autistic that may then choose to go hide under the stage, go hide in a, 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 a moving crate that you may have a set up and tear down to um, hidden closets that shouldn't have been left unlocked. So uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe if you could speak to that for a bit there, Susan. Yeah, we actually have a number of resources available at the National Center for Missing Exploited Children um, specific to what we call wandering um, and children on the autism spectrum. I think from a safety standpoint, the first thing to be in, uh, mindful of is if you have any water on your property, if, if you are up against a lake or even if you have um, a fountain or something in your church, because um, that's kind of our biggest fear when kids who have autism wander. Some of them are attracted to water. And it may be what you were talking about. For some kids, it may be a way to um, mute the senses. Because when you go underwater, the, the noise that is overwhelming is is yeah. um, muted out when you're water. I don't, that's for some kids. Yeah. That's fine. You know, that's that's not um, with anything we talk about with kids of autism. There's nothing that applies to every kid you're going to meet. Right. Um, but but. We go so far as to tell law enforcement that if you if you report a kid um, and we know they're on the autism spectrum, that's one of the first things that they will do. So if you have a body of water or something like that, that's the first place to go. Um, I think if you have a parent or guardian who does share with you, um, you know, information about their child and um, especially if they have um, they have wandered other times or, you know, things like that. Um, and it is one of those things if you can customize your plan to those kids, because some kids, you know, for example, may really like lights and sirens. And so we have some first responders who will call the fire department and turn on the trucks because they, you know, if they find a kid with autism is missing on a family camping trip or something. Mm. And then there's some kids exact opposite that they get very overwhelmed with lights and sirens. And so we'll tell our first responders, you know, even though you are emergency responding, you know, to the extent you can cut off the sound will be your best bet in terms of getting, you know, drawing that child out. So um, a lot of it is really, um, again, specific, but we have a ton of resources on our website, both for first responders, for families. Um, we partner with the National Autism Association, who has some safety resources, and we put our tips for, you know, kids who go missing on there as well. But it is, it's important, um, you know, for, for churches to be aware of, like you said, sometimes kids can get um, overwhelmed and not just wander, but sometimes bolt and run very quickly. So kind of, yeah. you know, mm. It, so it's a wide variety of behaviors, of course, but if you can be um, kind of in, in sync with the family a little bit about what they've seen in the past, what's been helpful or not helpful. And again, if you are taking the kids on, um, you know, you're going to an outdoor worship space or you're going to a retreat where there's a wilderness area kind of being prepared with a, um, you know, emergency response um, and being ready to have that pertinent information should you need to contact law enforcement, things like that. I know it's it's definitely a topic that, needs more talking about. I feel like there's a lot of churches that don't understand the situation that that creates. And um, mm -hmm. the, the I mean, how many of us as churches have baptismal fonts that are basically accessible? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a body of water. 
And oh, sure. now pretty often it can be as some churches, it may just be an inflatable uh, hot tub that they use temporarily, but others, it's a permanent fixture of their lobby. And while that tends to be in a visible space, it's still water and it does not take very much water for someone to get into trouble. Um, so I think yeah. it's it's good to cover. I'm glad that there's resources out there. Mm-hmm. And I encourage churches to, to, to look into that. If you don't have a contact that is designated within your church to look at how you can better serve those that may be um, uh, have an autistic child to look into that. Because if you don't already have one, you will. And so it's better to be prepared up front and be aware on how you can serve that population. Mm-hmm. For sure. I honestly, I, I had never heard that before about water. And mm-hmm. we actually on our church property, we have a um, because it's in a flood area, we have a, a retention pond that has a fountain in it and, you know, it's not, not very deep. You can actually stand in it, but it runs regularly. And, um, I think it was last year or the year before we actually added a life preserver and some, you know, basically water rescue tools, um, just in case, but that's fascinating. I did not know that. So it's, that's definitely, and and you're absolutely right, Mike. A lot of churches have either baptismals or just fountains for decoration on the property where right. um, that could certainly draw draw a kid's kid's mm-hmm. attention. Well, and like I said, I mean, if they're missing somewhere else, I mean, we're worried about them. We want to find them, but if, as you said, the water can very quickly become a hazard. So that makes sense as a a first place to look, even if you don't. They don't have a history of doing that. Might as well send someone there anyway and make sure. Um, if, if something like that happens for sure. Awesome. Well, um, I, I really appreciate, uh, appreciate your time and hanging out with us, uh, tonight. And, um, is there anything I actually, I, I did want to mention, and I'm, I'm just looking at the website, you have a, an education tab where there's mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. um, opportunity for classes and stuff. Can you mm-hmm. kind of go through and explain that if somebody was yeah. interested? Sure. So we have um, we have an internet safety program called NetSmarts, which is available on that education tag. Um, you can download PowerPoint presentations, videos, discussion guides. So if this is if you want to talk about online safety or you want to make those um, resources available to parents, there are mm-hmm. tons of tip sheets you can just print out. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about you know kids using YouTube and then bouncing off. We have a KidSafe website called netsmartskids.org. You can make that available on your church computers. It doesn't bounce off anywhere else, and it just has um, games, activities, videos about internet safety that are available. Um, we have KidSmarts as well, which is a personal safety program. Again, like tip sheets, PowerPoints, resource guides, quick talking points. You could even just print some of those talking points for parents if they want to go home and have a conversation with their kids about online safety. And then lastly, I would mention off that education tab is we have um, a resource called NICMEC Connect, which is an online training platform. But I would say that there are many things on there that are applicable for parents. There's about online safety. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even talk about child sex trafficking, but I know that that's a topic a lot of people are worried about and thinking about. We have a great um, course just called Introduction to Child Sex Trafficking that kind of dispels the this gives a brief introduction. So um, if that's something, a topic that people are interested in right off of that NICMEC Connect, you can create a free um, account. We have a Parent Connect series, just a lot of free resources. As I said earlier, if you're, you want to know about something, you can't find it on the website, you can't find these PowerPoint presentations I'm talking about, you can always call us or you can mm-hmm. email outreach at nickmec.org. 
and we will walk you through and help you find whatever you need. That's awesome. I haven't set up an account yet. I will probably, <laughs> I will probably do that, but yeah, absolutely. Looking at, um, some of the things offered, it seems like that would be great for like, uh, kids workers or like maybe kids leaders where they're trying to, to go through and maybe, um, cover some of those topics like at training and, and that sort of thing. So that's, that's great. I know, one of the things that we we typically do we we uh, partner with one of the local sheriff's offices and every about i think every other month the, they send a whole printout of different websites you know to each of the faith-based organizations just saying hey this is the these are the trends that we're seeing you know and kids going to this site and this is mm-hmm. good this is bad this is what's mm-hmm. happening so um Certainly. And that's helped us too, because we've passed it on to our church leadership to be able to say, okay, you know, if you, if you happen to be counseling a, uh, a teen and, you know, they're using this, this app or this, um, this particular, uh, software just to be careful because this is what, you know, could, could happen from that. So it's, it's kind of scary. I mean, we, we embrace technology from the standpoint of it, it's, it makes our lives easier, but, or supposedly, but at the, excuse me, at the same time, um, you know, my, uh, you mentioned earlier Roblox and, and some of the other programs, my son, I think it was two or three years ago was playing that. And we've been very careful limiting, you know, who he has access to, and he only had access to, uh, basically a world that he created with my other kids and, and my niece and nephew. So it was just a, fa- a big family account. And uh, we started getting uh, emails, weird emails, and um, noticed that he had somehow, you know, managed to to go out of that group into a larger group and got into this argument. And it wasn't, he wasn't intentionally doing anything. Like it wasn't him, you know, yeah. him intentionally being, you know, mean or, or anything. He just got into this regular discussion. And so we had to sit down with him and say, look, you don't know who that person is. It's not like, you know, your cousin or, you know, you know, your, your siblings. And so, um, and, you know, we said that we're like, we don't know if this person was an adult playing the game, playing Roblox, or if it was another kid that, um, you know, just, and they weren't using appropriate language with him, but it was like, okay, this is kind of weird. If it, if it was another kid, I haven't heard too many kids talking like that. (laughs) So, um, so it's definitely something and, and, uh, we, we appreciate you, you hanging out with us, like I mentioned, because it's definitely a topic that doesn't, I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough, um, just across the board with, um, you know, preventative measures and trying to be aware of, of yeah, that sort of thing. I, I think, I think actually your story is a great example of what exactly what we want parents to do. It is, you know, you, you, you can keep track of the good websites and the bad websites, but the reality is they change. And the reality sure. is also the, the best website, depending on who's on it can also be a platform. I mean, we get reports from every single website, Um, but exactly what you did where you know what your kid's doing online, you're kind of keeping an eye. And when something went a little south, you were right there and, and, you know, your child was sharing Mm -hmm. with you what they did online and you're kind of in the world with them. That is 
100% like the best thing you can do to keep kids safe online. But a lot of parents don't feel equipped or they don't have time or they're just, they're not involved in their kids' online life enough to know when something starts to go a little bit like that and be able to be a resource to their kid to kind of get it back on a safe track and talk to them about why that might be an unsafe thing. So that story sure. is actually a beautiful example of, of what we can all do for our kids to keep make sure that they're safe online. It's really the best thing. Well, it's not, it, it like you said, it's intimidating. It's intimidating for me. And I grew up in, you know, the error of not having a computer till I was actually in college. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so, but the, the crazy thing too is, you know, we've, we've had situations, you know, this very similar with our teen group and, and with church too. So churches need to know about it. Leaders mm -hmm. for sure need to know about it and, and really be equipped. And again, that's, that's one of the great things that I love about about your website because there's so many different helpful resources on there um, across the board to help church leaders and to help um, even if you're, you know, if, even if you're listening and your church is really small and maybe you don't have a lot of dedicated folks, there's still stuff on there that is very beneficial that um, can help you protect kids and, and teens. And so it's, it's a great website. We'll, we'll definitely link to it again. And, and, uh, as I mentioned, uh, before Mike, did you have anything just wrapping up? Oh, it's good. I, I think you echo that sentiment. The, what we're doing here tonight is the fact that we're doing the first thing that we should do is we're taking the topic seriously. We're, t we're exposing it on this show. We're talking about it. We're bringing to light additional resources because Nobody has all the answers, and none of us are the expert on this uh, exclusively. We're always learning, and I think that's the value is that we can seek more resources and continually learn so that we create an environment where hopefully it never happens to a kid on our watch. And that's, that's, truly, that's truly what we want. We hope that, you know, that, again, that, that sort of thing never happens, but having those resources and knowing how... Uh, to handle it, really, it's no different than being prepared for someone having a medical emergency or an active shooter situation or something like that. And in fact, statistically, you're far more likely, I know, um, to have a, a situation with a child where they turn up missing than an active shooter situation in your, in your faith-based organization. So um, it's definitely... Definitely a good topic to talk about. So again, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we, we really appreciate your time and hanging out. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap up. So um, I believe next week uh, we have a special story. We're going to uh, talk with an individual that uh, was actually... Um, a victim of domestic abuse. So our topic for next week is going to be on uh, domestic abuse in the church and, and just bringing a little bit of awareness to that and, and how we can address that accordingly as a, uh, as a church safety team and that sort of thing. Um, but as always, if we can be of help uh, to you or your church or your place of worship, please feel free to reach out to us. Our website is churchsafetyguys.com, and uh, we're happy to, to do whatever we can. There's, there's numerous resources on the website, uh, but if you're looking for something specific, please feel free to reach out to us, and 
uh, we will do our best to, to facilitate that. So until next time, uh, take care, have a great week, and uh, we will talk to you soon. This hour of broadcasting brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, the Motorola value-added reseller. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast, brought to you by Vigilant Impact. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback and interaction. Be sure to share our broadcast with your teams. Join the discussion online and connect with us on social media. For other great ministry resources, download the Church Security app or at our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Remember, keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.